anything against anybody else's religion unless it is Christianity. And it is going to take all the strength that you got and you can muster up through the power of the Holy Ghost in you to give you the strength to withstand everything that, uh, that, that's coming against this world. And um, our focus text, as you've seen, uh, seen there on your first page, uh, is Hebrews 6 and 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection. And we brought out last week uh, perfection and what it means. The word perfection here means maturity. It means to become of age spiritually. And we have to do that. Um, we said last week that uh, spiritual growth is important and that if a person who comes to the Lord is not growing, it's because that they lack one or more of the following things. And the, what we covered last week uh, is a desire to grow. If a person does not have a desire to grow in the Lord, to get closer to Jesus, it's not going to happen. You've got to have a desire. There's a song that uh, gospel group uh, uh, wrote and sung several years several years ago. You got to have the want to. Amen. Amen. You got to have a want to. I think Sister Kathy sings that sometimes, every now and then. We got to have a want to. We got to have a desire. If you don't have a desire for God, Hallelujah. I guess the biggest thing that thrilled me Sunday, what Ronnie said when he was buying a, he said, he, he said, you know what? He said, I find myself wanting to come to church. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Examine yourself. Do you get excited about and thrilled about getting to go to the house of God? Hallelujah. If you, if you, don't, if you don't have a desire to come... There, you need to begin to check your relationship with God because something's wrong. Something's wrong. Hallelujah. We got to have that desire. We got to have a desire to grow. It's never going. It, it's never going to. Uh, never going to happen. Okay. Let me move on. I'm not going to go back over none of that desire. I've got that the most of it written down there, in your handout. I want to talk about a priority for spiritual matters. Uh, a priority for spiritual matters. One of the greatest hindrances to spiritual growth is misplaced priority. Now, I told you last week, we're going to get down and dirty in this as we go along. It's going to be tight. Hallelujah. It's going to get on our toes. But uh, it's necessary to wake us up, to let us see what we need to do. One of the greatest hindrances to spiritual growth is misplaced priority. 
and plain old human nature is the main culprit blocking the way. Hallelujah. Your human nature is your biggest enemy. It ain't the devil. Hallelujah. Some people want to blame the devil for everything. I, I hate to burst your bubble, but you ain't as important to the devil as what you think you are. The devil's more, the, what, y'all need another copy? I got one right here. The devil is more concerned with moving in, in governments and whole nations, trying to mislead whole nations and whole governments. Hallelujah. And the devil gets blamed for a lot of stuff that he, he don't do. Hallelujah. Your own human nature is one of your biggest hindrances that keeps you from growing in God. Hallelujah. Amen. I look in the mirror and I see my, my worst enemy. It's Sammy Pruitt. Hallelujah. That's my worst enemy. If I can overcome me, if I can overcome me, that's, that's, that's most important. The human mind comes with a built-in mode of survival which causes us to focus on personal needs and well-being. That's true for everybody if you call yourself human. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, it, it's built in. Humanity, we got, we, got a, we got a mold of survival that causes us to focus on personal needs and well-being. Then there is the desire also for gratification and pleasure. Now, when I talk about gratification and pleasure, I'm not just talking about sexual gratification and pleasure. But there's awful other kinds of pleasure that people seek rather than seeking God today. Amen. I give the example. Look at, look at your handout. Entertainment. People seek gratification and pleasure out of being entertained. They like to be entertained. A lot of folks come to church to get entertained. Amen? Hallelujah. Wealth. Materialism, social status, amen. All of these things, different people have to contend with and deal with in their human nature that hinders them uh, from, from growing in the Lord. None of which, now, 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 now let get understand what I'm saying, none of... These things are wrong in themselves. God, God does not, he don't get mad and upset because that you do well in life. God wants you to do well in life. Hallelujah. God wants you to prosper and be in health. Hallelujah. Amen. We, 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 brought, we, we brought these scriptures out already. None of these things are wrong in themselves if we don't make any of them a priority over the kingdom of God and His purpose for you in this earth. Hallelujah. Now, I want um, Randall to get ready to put up on the screen Matthew 6, 
25 through 33 in the King James Version. And you got it written down here. But we've got to learn to prioritize. What is more important to you? Hallelujah. It's more important for some people to be able to buy a new car every two or three years than it is growing in God. Amen. It's more important for some, uh, some people to, to keep up with the Joneses, you know. Hallelujah. What, what, uh, what, what, uh, who, who put out that country song years ago? And, uh, he, said, keeping, he said, we're so busy keeping up with the Joneses, uh, four-car garage, and we're still adding on. You know, hallelujah. Amen. That's, that's social status is what that is. Uh, we've got to get our priorities right. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 through 33, this is the words of Jesus. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life. Now I want you to look close to what Jesus is saying now. Look very close. I, 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 know, I know this hits on me. I will admit this. Hallelujah. But Jesus says, don't take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body what you shall put on. Huh? One of the hindrances of spiritual growth and going into maturity a priority for spiritual matters. There's too many of us worry about these things over the other. Jesus said, don't think about your life. Don't consider it. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat? and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? <laughs> oh, man, now that, talk, talk about knocking your pride down a few notches. Hallelujah. You... Why do you want to think you're better than, the, uh, uh, than one of the files uh, of the air? Which of you, by think, taking thought, can add one cubic unto his statue? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, uh, uh, they, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Mm. When you when you get down and really hear the teaching of Jesus, hallelujah, you, you'll never never again say an earthly preacher preaches it too hard. Hallelujah, because nobody gets it as tight as what Jesus did. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is to which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Therefore, 
Don't take no thought saying what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what, uh, wherewithal shall you be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There ain't nothing that your heavenly Father don't know about about your life. But seek ye first getting yourself a new pair of shoes. Seek ye first taking a job that keeps you out of church so you can make $20,000 more a year. You see, we could have got by, we, we have got by with that in the past, but what I'm trying to tell you now, what God's trying to tell you now, that if you do that now, you're going to fall flat on your face and you ain't going to survive. You're going to be one of the ones walking around here with 666 tattooed on your head. If you seek them things first, if you seek them first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and some of these things shall be added unto you. All. All. Do we believe the Bible or don't we believe the Bible? Is it right or is it not right? Here it is. Here it is, folks, right here. God has to be number one in my life if I want to get closer to him and mature spiritually. It's not my job and then God. Not what I'm going to eat and wear today and then God. Follow me now. Seek ye first. Not I need to plan my future and then God. Not who I'm going to marry and then God, and that has gotten more people in, in more trouble than anything else. You better be seeking God first long before you think about marriage. If you don't think about God in it, you're going to hook yourself up to something that's going to cause you pain and misery the rest of your life. Hello, somebody. Not who I'm going to marry and then God. God promised all those things would be taken care of if we seek Him first. Amen. Seek Him first. Now, there's another issue which we need to deal with while we're considering the priorities of spiritual growth, and that is family. Family. The old saying, blood is thicker than water, holds a lot of merit, especially in this issue, because we too many times place family between ourselves and God in the terms of priority. 
Take heed to this. This is not my first rodeo. I've been around a while. I was born at night, but not last night. I've been involved in a lot of churches, Pentecostal and denominational. And I've seen whole churches tore all to pieces and split wide open due to family. Hello? People start picking sides. Instead of getting on the right side, they're going to get over here just because family's over here. Amen. Many times we place family between ourselves and God in terms of priority. Some people will stay in a spiritually dead church that doesn't preach the whole truth because of family. I know it's fact. Some have left a church that they know they should be in because of family. Some don't tend church at all or worship God because of family. Hallelujah. Family's a great gift. It's wonderful. But they don't take the place of you and God. It's great if God has given you a, 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 a mate that, that you love and they love you and, you and, 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 and all of those things, but you do not put that spouse before God. Hallelujah. Amen. You've got, God has got to be number one. Over husband, over wife, over children, over anybody else. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 26. Let's that, hear some more tough words of Jesus. Luke 14, 25 through 26. And there went out great multitudes with him, and he turned and said to them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and sisters, Yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. See, we're talking about growth now. We're talking about why some people is on the same level with God as it was 20 years ago or whenever they was when they come in because they've been, they've been going through the motions. They've been, they go to church all the time. They put money in the offering. Amen. And they, uh, even uh, God will bless them. Amen. They feel the Spirit and they'll do the Holy Ghost two-step every now and then, but they haven't grown a square inch in God. They're not spiritually. They don't have no discernment. They, um, they look and see other people doing things in the spirit and they say oh, why can't I do that why can't why won't God use me like that it's because you haven't been doing everything God tells you to do that will enable you to grow into maturity 
this is tough right here. This is tough right here. Hallelujah. And I can say this because I've lived this and I have put my money where my mouth is. Because I had to make a choice over truth in God's, God's word a long time ago and it cost me dearly in my family. I didn't have no relationship with my family because when I made the move and was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I wasn't going to stay in a church that didn't preach the whole truth. I wasn't going to stay in a spiritually dead atmosphere and not, and, and not be where God wanted because of my family. It wasn't because I didn't love them, no. And that ain't what Jesus is saying here. When Jesus says about hating, he's not talking about a literal hate here, but what he's saying, you cannot love them more than you do me. You cannot love them more than my word. You cannot love them more than my will for your life. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Matthew 10, 37. What does it say? He gets a little closer here. He, this is the words of Jesus. This is written in red in the Bible. He that loveth father or mother more than me. See, this explains what I read in Luke. He's not talking about you literally hating them. Don't misinterpret that. He's explaining what he means right here. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. There are people in my life that I love. I love dearly. If the need arise, I wouldn't have to think twice of something. If, if a tornado was going through this place, Right now, I'd be I, I'd, I would be running to my wife, and even though me even though me falling on top of her might master mash uh, the life out of her, I would be covering her, protecting her. I, in other words, I'm telling you, I would die for her if I had to. Because Jesus tells me that the husband should love. Their wives and give themselves for them, just like Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. Hallelujah. But I'm not but I'm not going to go to hell for her. 
if she if she comes up tomorrow and tells me, says, I've started listening to somebody else on the radio, and we have been wrong all this year. We got to get we got to get over here in this other faith. I say, go ahead. I'm not going to be there with you. Hallelujah. And if you, if you take that stand with God for husband, wife, or for children, I told my son standing in our in our kitchen, I was crying, crying my eyes. This was a long time ago. I said, "Son, I says I'd die for you if I had to. I'd do anything for you." If you choose the right thing God will give you the desire of your heart and he will bring your family I have a relationship with my sister today and she lives a, a long way but she's, she sends me messages all the time she said she wished she could she's not able to drive much by herself anymore she said I wish I could come to your church more I wish I had a way. I wish I lived close to her. She don't understand still everything, but she'll tell everybody in the heartbeat. She says, "She says I was, I was stage four cancer, and fixing to die until my, my baby brother and his church prayed for me." God gave me that because I stood true to him. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Hallelujah. I told you last week that a lot of these things that I'm going to be teaching you will not necessarily keep you out of heaven because we go to heaven by grace. We're saved by grace, not by works. But some of these things will keep you from growing in God and getting to a place where God can trust you to use you for his kingdom. Hallelujah. If we desire to live in God's perfect will for our lives, and grow into spiritual maturity, we cannot even allow family be a priority over God. When God says he desires to hold first place in your life, he means first place. Hallelujah. Now, you've got some things there, but let me, let's get to the paper. You should be filling out those things as, we, uh, as I went along. They're very... Uh, I don't know if I get through all of this one or not tonight, but I got to I got to start it. We're gonna we're gonna begin to talk about taking the first steps toward maturity. We've talked about now some things that hinders your growth. Why you're not growing? You don't have the desire, or you don't have the right priorities. After we get that stuff settled, then we got to begin to wonder about taking the first steps toward maturity. 
When a newborn baby comes forth from the womb, the first accomplishment he makes is he takes his, that first breath. Without taking air into his or her lungs, life would not be possible. Before anything else, the baby must breathe. Now, I don't know if they still do it or not. They might get, get them for child abuse. But I, I come up in the day that when that baby was born, that baby would be held up by its feet by the doctor and give him a good whack across the back end to get him, get him breathing. Hallelujah. That's the first accomplishment a baby that is born makes is beginning to breathe. I remember uh, Jennifer and uh, you know, our uh, middle child. You know, of course, she was a twin, and uh, uh, and she uh, weighed three pounds three ounces when she was born, and, and they survive a whole lot uh, smaller than that nowadays. They went have accomplished so much, but back back then. Uh, it was considered a, a strong miracle for some a child three pound three ounces. Matter of fact, they kept telling us she wasn't going to make it. Um, and she was born in November, and it was after the first of the year. It was the end of January or February, where we uh, was able to take her home. And I remember going to the children's ward at Vanderbilt Hospital, going in to see her, and when we would go go in. Uh, they, there was a nurse constantly uh, at her side uh, because she would forget to breathe. And when we would go into visits, the nurse would go to take a break or do something, and they, I never will, I never will forget. Says now, uh, if she if she stops breathing, just reach your hand in that incubator in that thing there and, and give her a little shake because she forget. Scared me to death. I said, "You gonna leave?" You know, uh, without breath, without breath, life is not possible. That's the first. That's the first thing that a child has to accomplish. Likewise, the first accomplishment for the potential new convert in Christ is when the heart opens up to faith. Hallelujah! It is the first step taken on a new path which we have never walked before. What do we say about breathing in air, about life is not possible? Well, without faith, penetrating the heart of a new life in Christ would, be, would not be possible. Without faith, penetrating the heart, a new life in Christ would not be possible. Before the new convert receives anything else, listen to me close. Sometimes apostolics get things messed up. They, a lot of times we Pentecostals, we want to start worshiping the gifts. And the gifts come later on. You should never worship a gift anyway. You should worship the giver of the gift. Hallelujah. But the most important thing in your Christian life, the first thing that you've got to receive is faith. Without faith, life in the Lord is not possible. Before the new convert receives anything else, before repentance, before baptism, before forgiveness, 
or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, there must be faith. Faith even becomes before your repentance. You would never repent if there hadn't been faith already come in your heart. How in the world can you repent for something that you don't believe? And I'm going to give you a scripture if anybody wonders. Faith is the drive train. Now, we, we, we got a mechanic sitting over here, and we talk about the drive train of an automobile. He, know, he knows what we're talking about. But faith is the drive train which powers up everything that accompanies salvation and the Christian life. Every born-again believer in Christ has faith. I hear people all the time saying, Brother Samuel, I just have no faith. you telling me you ain't saved, and you telling me you ain't been born again. It's impossible to have that experience and not have faith first. Every born-again believer in Christ has faith. It is granted to us by God through grace. Faith is not a product of man. You don't create it yourself. You may think you do. You may think you, but faith is not your product. There's no way that you can generate faith. You cannot generate faith yourself. It's not conceived by man. Hallelujah. It's granted to us by God through His grace. Faith is not a product of man. Faith is not generated by any ability of man. It is a gift from God so we can experience and know Him. Okay, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you two, uh, I'm going to give you a scripture and I'm going to quit because of time. Romans 12 and 3, the New King James Version, New King James Version, Romans 12 and 3. For I say that through, uh, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That's where your faith comes from. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think it, hey, I'm, I'm able to believe the Word. I'm able to have faith in God. If you got it, you got it because He gave it to you. And He gives every man the measure of faith. And let me say this, faith is like a muscle. The more you work a muscle, the more it grows and it gets stronger and it develops. We might have two people come to the altar, repent. God gives them that measure of faith so they can repent first. He's no respect to persons, so he don't give one more faith than the other. But let's say five years passes, and one person, man, is strong in faith. They believe in God for everything. Another person still, one, one person 
have faith that prayed for people that's got cancer. The other person can't hardly pray for somebody that's got a toe ache. Why is that? If God gave them both the measure, the same measure of faith, why is that? Because one of them exercised that faith and the other didn't. We're talking about going in maturity now, see? Hallelujah. There's some people sitting in the pews, sometimes got more faith than the preacher's got because they exercise it. Hallelujah. Amen. So God gives us the faith. That's the first process. That's the first step. Faith is the first step. That's the first thing you see. Like breath is the first thing that the baby gets. Faith comes before anything. How do you get it? Romans 10 and 17. New King James Version again. Romans 10 17. This tells you how you get that faith. So faith comes by hearing. And hearing by watching the young and the restless. Huh? No? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Hallelujah. See, there's two things I want to point out to you. That's what I said in the beginning. Faith did not generate in you. It did not begin inside you. Faith comes to you. Faith comes to you. And it comes by hearing the Word of God. When we hear the Word through a preacher or somebody gives a testimony or somebody witnesses to us or they hear a gospel song, they hear the Word and that Word that they hear makes them want to repent. Why? Because faith is being generated by what they're hearing. That's why it's important. What you're here tonight doing here tonight is one of the most important things you can do by receiving the Word. Because whether that you realize that you're exercising your faith right now, your faith is growing right now by receiving the Word that's going out tonight. So faith is that first step. It's the first thing to receive. Anybody got any comments or anybody got any questions tonight? <laughs> oh, he's getting like Shelly over there.